Jack. Hello. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Got there. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, I'm just going to run through a few things about your career and we'll get going, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. So, obviously, you grew up in Aviemore when you were a young, yep. young child. What was what was the footballing career like? What was the footballing opportunities there? Uh, Benny, there, there wasn't really any to be honest. It was um, having more, believe it or not, the the main sport was ice hockey. Uh, yeah. With a with an ice rink, obviously having more is you know it's well known for uh, for the Cairngorms and and skiing. So there was no. There was no boys clubs. There was no leagues. Um, we were just fortunate that there was a, a local guy who loved football um, and had been had took it upon himself just to coach the the local kids. Um, yeah. So this guy, his name is Alistair Sterling, and he he was from Glasgow and he had links to the Celtic Boys Club, so he would he would coaches. Um, and he was he was kind of ahead of his time because he managed to get his hand on training videos of Ajax, like youth academies, um, and he used to get the Celtic uh, boys club coaches. They would come up to Aviemore, uh, do a bit of coaching. We we're fortunate enough to get some Celtic players that used to come up as well, and took us for a bit of coaching. Um, but we played against each other. We also played against the, uh, the. It was a local men that we we played against. We grew up, you know, from the age of like ten years old. We were playing against, you know, guys the same age as our dads, older kids, and that that was basically how we, you know, we were raised playing football. Yeah, I could imagine that was tough playing against older men at such a young age. Do you know what? It it wasn't because it. Everyone, it was a small village back then. So everybody kind of yeah. knew everybody. And the guys that we were playing against, they were competitive, but in a, in, in a respect that they really enjoyed seeing us progress. So it started off, yeah. you know, they'd be taking it easy and it was, it was almost non-contact. But the guys that I grew up playing with were, they were good footballers. Because Ali Sterling, the one thing that he, you got with him was it was all ball skills so the guys that I grew up with had they had a great first touch you know they could play two touch football three touch football and they're comfortable in the ball he was encouraging boys to you know use their left foot right foot um, so we got to maybe you know like 12 year old and all of a sudden the games against the guys were becoming quite competitive and so from the age of sort of 12 year old on onwards, you know, they weren't shy in putting the boot in <laughs> because, you know, uh, we were, yeah, we were, we were running them close in, in some of the games. We, we were playing like seven aside, seven side goals. And the only sort of 11 aside that there was in the village, there was a welfare league. And that was a, that was basically the pinnacle of your, you know, your football career was if you got a chance to play in the welfare league. Um, the nearest big town to us was Inverness is like 30 miles north and Perth is like 80 miles uh, south so in the north you had the Highland League 
you know, back then you had Inverness Cali, Inverness Thistle, you had Clach, Ross County were still a Hain League team, Elgin were a Hain League team. Um, and then obviously the closest league team to us was St. Johnson down in Perth. So, you know, playing football was never really something that you thought about. You just, you did it because you played with your mates um, and, you know, just played in, in the village. So that that was kind of the start of it. I was just, yeah. I was just fortunate that there was a, another, a, a guy who used to come along to the coaching, uh, with Alex Sterling. There was a guy called Joe McCluskey. Again, he was from Glasgow uh, and he'd been a goalkeeper back in the day. He played with Celtic Boys Club and he played sort of junior football in Glasgow. And uh, he kind of took it upon himself just to teach me the, the basics. So I, w- I was really fortunate that Joe taught me the the basics and, and you know, learned a lot from him but the things that he taught me way back then stood me in good stead for when I actually got a chance to go and, and play at a higher level. Yeah. So, progressing a bit further in more to your professional career, you were picked up by Dundee. Uh, yeah. How <laughs> old were you? How old were you when that all came about? Um, I was 17. Just, just before my 18th birthday. I kind of... I was fortunate enough uh, that I managed to uh, go down. I played a few games with, with Celtic Boys Club in Glasgow um, and I trained with them for, I don't know, four or five months. Um, and then I actually got a chance to play boys club football in Perth. So I was playing for a team called uh, North Muirton from the age of, sort of 12 to, I think, I was 14, uh, 15. Um, and... It just kind of reached its, you know, its natural conclusion, and I, I kind of jacked in playing football. I kind of had enough by the time I was fifteen. Um, I left school the following year, and I was encouraged. I get persuaded to go and help it. Um, my mate's team. He played in. He played. He played well for uh, well for league football for one of the other teams in neighbouring village. So he'd asked me if I'd go and play for them because they're short numbers. So I said that I would I'd go along and play, uh, but only if I could play at field because I didn't want to be, be a goalkeeper anymore. So he's like, "Yeah, no problem, no problem, just come along." So I turned up, and then lo and behold, their goalkeeper was injured. So I ended up playing goals. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, ended up playing a, f- a few games with them. Uh, it was a team called Newton Moore. And then I ended up going to my hometown team, just having more thistle. So played a season with them and coming towards the tail end of the season, because uh, it was summer league football, Dundee were actually up in Aviemore doing a, a pre-season. So... As part of our, yeah, the guy Alex Sterling, our coach, he had organised the pre-season for Dundee accommodation and all the rest of it. And as a thank you, Dundee were going to play a local select, just in a friendly, just a bounce game. Uh, and I was I was supposed to be playing in that game, but I ended up getting smashed uh, in a, a welfare league game about two days before this game. So I wasn't able to play. 
Um, so, just as a, a thank you to Alex Allen, uh, I got invited down to Dundee with uh, there was three of us travelled down, and uh, we just went down for. I went down for treatment. Two of the other guys were training, and there was actually a, a lad called Scott McKenzie from Aviemore who was already a YTS at Dundee. Uh, so I went down to get a bit of treatment, and then after about three or four days, ended up training with him. Uh, never really thought anything of it, and then I got invited back down the following week, and I trained. And then I got invited back down the following week, and I trained, and then I got offered a contract. And so that was me. So in terms of training, did you go in with the first team or were you in with like a youth academy kind of set up? So back then, we're talking uh, 90, 94. Uh, so the, what happened back then was normally they would, you know, you had your S forms um, and then they would take in, uh, there were YTSs, youth training schemes. It was government funded and they would take in first year YTSs, second year YTSs. So that was kind of like when you're 16, 17. But because I was 18, I was too old to be a YTS. But you know, I wasn't a first team player. So I was kind of in limbo. So they took me on a, a six-month contract. So I signed a pro contract. But I trained with the, I trained with the youth team. Um, but I trained with the first team as well because Jim Layton, he'd actually just left and he'd gone to Hibs. So Dundee only had one recognised goalkeeper. It was a guy, Paul Mathers. So I was basically just chucked in to make up the numbers. So I was training first team, um, you know, in the mornings and then training youth team in the afternoon. So I was kind of getting double sessions. But it was brilliant. Was Paul Mathers quite a big influence on how you progressed? Through your career, like your first sort of pro career, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he had has been a, a massive uh, influence on me, uh, on my career, but just also as a as a human being, you know, he's, he he looked out for me. He, he didn't have to, but he kind of took me under his wing, um, and he he taught me what it meant to be a professional um, footballer and taught me a lot about goalkeeping. Again, he'd been quite lucky because he'd spent, I think he did two years with, with Jim Layton uh, and obviously Paul had picked up a lot of good habits from, from Jim and he's just an absolute beast when he was training. Uh, so when you're training with Paul, it, it was all... It was all or nothing, basically. You know, you you could only train one way, and that was just you know full tilt. So yeah, I was I was pretty lucky. Um, and then the first season, it was just Paul and I with a few trials coming in, um, but none of them really, none of them were picked up, and and signed. Uh, there's a French keeper called uh, Michel Pajou. So Michel, he was ex France under twenty ones, had played you know, French first division, uh, and he was a quality keeper, but just totally different to to Mathers. Obviously, 
you know, you see it more now with the continental keepers when they come into the Scottish game or into the, the British game. You know, he was pretty good with his feet. You know, we used to play bounce games and Michelle used to play up front. He could score for fun. Um, he was kind of ahead of his time because the pass-back rule had only really been introduced, you know, maybe two or three years. Um, by the time, you know, I turned pro, so it was still something that we were getting used to, but yeah, he was pretty good with the ball at his feet. Um, but in terms of when it came to training, he was more at the tail end of his career, so he he trained within himself um, Monday to Friday, but then come Saturday, you know, he could he could perform. So it was interesting just to see two contrasting styles, um, but, you know, they were both effective. When you were uh, when you were playing for Dundee, were you still living in Aviemore and travelling, or did you move move them there? Uh, I moved down to, to Dundee. Uh, I ended up in Digs in the Hilton, so <laughs> it was it was an experience going from you know living somewhere like Aviemore, where as I said, two thousand people, small village, everybody knows everybody. You know, it's pretty friendly, and then going to the Hilton where uh, so yeah, they would they would chase you just as soon as look at you. So it was, uh, it was, it was an education, put it that way. I can imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I learned how to run in, uh, in Dundee, that's for sure. <laughs> so when playing for Dundee in the dressing room, who was like kind of the, uh, the dressing, like the team joker? Who would always like to have a prank and a laugh about? And so for the, the first so a couple of years I was down there. I was in the in the in the sort of the, the youth team dressing room. So it then's first team, and they were in the obviously the first team dressing room. And YTSs we were in the um, the away dressing room. So we did a a really good um, sort of youth team. Even though I was you know a year older. Maybe two year old and some of the guys. Um, we had uh, it was a guy called Ian Anderson from Clay Bank, which is daft as a brush. He was a cracking player, and I think he went on to play played in France, and I'm sure he ended up in Preston. Played down there, played for Scotland down there, twenty ones. We had Jerry O'Driscoll, and he was a Republic of Ireland under twenty ones from Aberdeen originally. Gav Ray, and yeah. Craig Tully, uh, he was a big centre half, came from Tully Buddy. He was just the type of guy he would, you know, he'd just go through you in training. <laughs> he was just, <laughs> he was, he was a good guy, but uh, he didn't take any prisoners. So no it was, no, nah, it was, yeah, it was a good, good bunch of, good bunch of boys that we had, but uh, in terms of, in terms of the wind-up merchants, it was always the Glasgow boys. It was just full of it. And then through in the in the first team, we had Alan Denny, uh, Steve Pittman, and they were just bampots. And then sort of latterly, we had Chick Charnley come in, and Chick, along with Jerry Britton, Tommy McQueen, uh, Jordy Shaw, guys that played with Partick Thistle, Tommy McQueen had... Um, Sure, he won the Scottish Cup with Aberdeen. Just they were just 
uh, practical jokers. You said to watch. You go out to training, you come back, and boys, you find their gear have been cut up, or you know their trainers or good shoes have been nailed to the floor. Just that type of that type of uh, crap. <laughs> so, so yeah. were you a joker or yourself, or were you kind of just in the background watching that all happen? I was pretty quiet, mate. To be honest with you, <laughs> <clears throat> most of the young boys just kind of try to keep themselves to themselves because there was a few big personalities uh, in about the club at the time. Obviously, it was Simon Stainrod who uh, was the boss at the time. Jim Duffy was uh, the co-manager. Um, and they were, you know, fairly intimidating. And then in the youth team, we had uh, John McCormick, and Cowboy, he wanted to become a Dundee manager, but, you know, he was a bampot, absolute bampot. <laughs> um, it was, we were kind of encouraged, if, if we had a disagreement or if there was any niggles at training, uh, we were kind of encouraged to come back to the club. And they basically used to tell us to sort it out. So basically, there used to be an area between the home dressing room and the away dressing room where we used to do sort of, you know, circuits and uh, basically call for the mats. So you get two, like, set up mats and then he'd chuck a pair of boxing gloves on the deck. So you basically had to scramble for the glove. One boy get the left glove, the other boy get the right glove. Uh, your free hand get tied together and you had two minutes to sort it out. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of environment that we we kind of grew up in. So obviously these days, you can imagine that would uh, probably wouldn't go down very well. No, not at all. I'm pretty sure that the uh, the fun place would, or political correctness wouldn't wouldn't allow it. I'm sure that would be an infringement of a young boy's human rights these days. <laughs> but back then it was, it's just how things were, were dealt with. Um, so, yeah. So, you just try to keep yourself you know, I just try to keep my head down and get on with it. What was it like playing under uh, Simon and Jim Duffy? Were they quite a like full-on best effort training every day, or were they kind of like some days you'd be able to have that laugh about, but still keep it quite serious? Uh, it was again. You had Simon Stanley. He obviously he was a pretty cultured footballer. He had played. I'm sure he played in France. Great pedigree, great player. So for him, football was, it was about playing football. It was about keeping the ball on the deck, you know, playing out from the back. Um, but all the, all the training was, it was done at a tempo and it was, you know, it was done um, with a, there was always a competitive edge. In, in training um, like I say guys like um, Alan Denny and Steve Pittman you know Mathers as well Neil McCann was just coming through uh, who else do we have Jim Hamilton uh, Ray Farningham sort of just good players but when I say there was just a will to win and then when Simon Simon Stenrod, he, he left halfway, th- was it halfway through the the season, and then 
Duff took over in his own right and you know training was it kind of mirrored him it, it was it was kind of no nonsense and it was uh, you, you didn't hold back you know some of the training sessions were like like wars on a Friday so you used to you know you train Monday to Thursday Friday you would do sort of five sides and you'd work maybe in a bit of shape or set pieces for the game on the Saturday and what we used to do was for the five sides you play with no goalkeepers um, so you'd have maybe four teams and um, we used to play for uh, you get <laughs> You get these uh, fake fake owls, right? So they're maybe about two foot high. And they used to put them in the stands uh, just to scare off the, the pigeons to stop them from crapping all over the seats. And Jerry Britton had climbed into the, the roof of the stand and had liberated this owl. So we used to play for this owl every Friday. But it lasted for about, I don't know, month or something and then the gaffer he wound up banning us from playing for this fucking ill because we're in his in his eyes we're taking it more seriously than a Saturday the tackles were flying in guys were getting cropped it was mental but it was uh, it was all good fun Was there ever a player that you kind of feared that Dundee kind of like don't want to get on the wrong side uh, <laughs> Yeah there was a few uh, Steve Pittman, uh, left back. Um, he was a he was a hard guy. Um, you had Deuce Inverto, who was a captain, and Deuce, you know, he was he was a silent assassin. You know, he'd be smiling away, and the next minute he would just have you. And we had No Blake and Big Blakey. I think he's he's probably the hardest man of. I've uh, shared the pitch with. There was just no nonsense about Blakey. He was from uh, from you know Birmingham. He played for for Villa, uh, Birmingham. Sure, he played with Portsmouth. He'd been at Leeds United. Um, he come up through the uh, the ranks, you know. In English football, in the eighties and the height of the sort of hooliganism, uh, you know, the racism, uh, it was just uh, mental what he'd faced when he was younger. But mm. he was just, I mean, one, he was built at a brick house. Uh, two, uh, he just had this thousand yards there. And three, you know, when he took his teeth out before a game, he just thought, "Holy shit!" And um, but. You were just always glad that he was in your team, and you weren't, you know, not playing against him. Because you know, get cemented by him a few times in training. Uh, <laughs> you're just thinking, Jesus Christ, give us a break. But uh, yeah, big Blakey was—he's probably the hardest man that I've not had to face, but that I've, I've uh, shared the pitch with. So obviously you said about Paul Mathers taking you under your wing. Were you closest with him in the dressing room, or was there other players that you were kind of mates with? Uh, I was from the youth team. I was I got on well with um, Craig Tully. I said, "Tully, 
Tills went on to play at uh, Ross County. He played for Dundee, played with Ross County, played by Elgin, Peterhead. Um, he was actually he was a manager at East Stirlingshire. Um, I had a lot of time for him. And I actually sort of uh, I lodged with uh, Dusan, uh, the, the captain. So he had a, a big enough house, so he uh, he took pity on me when I, I got uh, turfed out my digs because the yeah the the contract with the the landlady was up, so I ended up sort of on the verge of being homeless, and uh, Deuce took us in, so I stayed with him. And I still keep in touch with him. Uh, this guy Neil Duffy, who's a big centre half as well. He played with Dundee United and Falkirk, Area United. Um, yeah, there was a lot of good guys, a lot of good guys in the team as well. Who was the best player to watch at Dundee? Who kind of surprised you? Um, well, technically the best player is probably Martin Vickers. Martin was. Obviously, he left Dundee and uh, went on to, to play for Celtic and played for the Danish national team. Um, sure, he played in the World Cup. But he was a cracking player. And then, obviously, Neil McCann. Uh, Terry, you know, when he went to Hearts and progressed to Rangers and played in the Scotland team as well. He was a different class. Uh, but, I don't know, we just had a lot of we had a lot of guys who were they were just good solid pros uh, you only kind of really appreciate uh, maybe the older you get guys like you know Jerry Britton uh, played you know he come to us from Celtic played with Partick Thistle uh, he was just he was a good pro same with Georgie Shaw uh, played with he played with Jerry at uh, at Partick and he could just you know could score goals um, so yeah getting local so, guys as well so after Dundee if I'm correct you went down south to play in England uh, I after Dundee or sorry, when I was at Dundee I played I got sent down on loan to uh, a team called Elkingston Town um, and there was a Scottish scout guy called George Norrie was involved at uh, Elkingston Town so I went down there and I played like, I think I played four games for them and they were sort of one be- they were one below the uh, the conference so it was a that was the first time that I played for a I probably played for a win bonus you know in three points and that yeah. was a it was a steep learning curve but it was a good it was a it was a great experience to go out and play against some you know hardened pros guys that played uh, league football down in England uh, but when I left Dundee I had two offers on the table one was to go up join Cali Thistle uh, who had you know recently formed um, and the other was to go and join a Highland League team called Cove Rangers so I chose to go and play because uh, Cali they had a goalkeeper called Jimmy uh, try to think it was Jimmy second Jimmy Calder, uh, and he was he was a cracking keeper. So I kind of looked at it, you know, took some advice from Mathers as well, and they were like, "Look, you need to go and play." So I ended up I signed for Cove Rangers, uh, and 
I think I lasted three months before they decided I was shit and I decided that uh, the Highland League wasn't really what I was looking for at that point in time. So I ended up uh, down at Forfar. Um, Tommy Campbell and Brian McLaughlin were the, were the manager and the co-manager. Um, they had a goalkeeping problem and I'm not sure who they spoke to but I ended up going down sort of for a trial just to train one night. It was a 50-50 uh, with a guy called John Allison and uh, he smashed me, I smashed him. I've got up, a bit of blood coming from my nose, kind of just got on with it. And Tommy's just sort of going, ah, you'll do for me, big man. You'll do for me. So, yeah, no bother. So I ended up uh, going to Forfa. But I think I was there for the best part, six months, seven months. Um, I was just a backup to their keeper, a guy called John Donegan, who had played with St. Johnson. But uh, he was solid, absolutely solid. So he played. Uh, I just warmed the bench. And uh, I ended up, at the tail end of that season, Dundee had an injury sort of crisis. Um, so Billy Thompson was the number one at Dundee by that point in time. He got injured. Cowboy was a manager. And uh, he asked if I would, you know, if I would go back and give him cover. He Just purely because he knew me, he just wanted somebody that he knew he would come in, sort of train, uh, and you know who could come in and, and play if required. So I had to go back to Dundee for the last sort of couple of months of the season. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't get promoted. Um, so it was just a short-term deal. So I left there. Uh, I think that was the season that uh, Rab Douglas had signed as well. So big Rab came and signed for Dundee. So I think they get the better deal. What was it like at Forfar? Was it quite? Uh, they would have been part time, so was it quite a almost different environment to playing Dundee? It was. Do you know what? It was. It was what I needed at the time because when I left Dundee, I'd gone from full time training, and. And it's not that you know we had great facilities or, or anything because you know back then um, it's not like today where most clubs have got a training ground and you know they they change it they, you know they change at the the training ground or they're at that facility Monday to to Friday you know and, and they're maybe playing their games at the stadiums on a, a Saturday because when I was at Dundee you know we. We met at the, the ground. Uh, we changed the ground. We used to train at uh, Strathmartin. <laughs> we used to train. There was a a hospital at Strathmartin, and we used to train in the grounds there. Um, and when it came to lunch nowadays, obviously most clubs would get you know nutritionists would get canteens. For us, we were going up the hill town to to get our rolling sausage, you know, salad rolls, whatever, to take back to the dressing room to eat, you know. And then maybe we'd be out in, a, in the afternoon on a double session. And that's the way it was back then. But what, what, the hardest thing I found when I left Dundee and I, I went to Cove was, I was 
working uh, with a scaffolding company during the day and we're training at night and that was okay because before I joined on day you know the full time job so that, that didn't phase me but it was a we were training in local parks and it wasn't quite jumpers for local goalposts but it was you know you, you're using markers for goals and it was slightly less professional than I'd been used to um, that's not to say that the players at the Highland League, you know, there's a lot of those guys, they, they could have played at a high level with the water, but a lot of the guys, they had decent jobs up in Aberdeen. And, you know, they were happy enough playing in the Highland League, which was, it was a competitive league back then. Um, but when I went to Forfar, it was more like what I'd been used to at Dundee, just with the, the, uh, the atmosphere at the club. Um, they'd always had guys who'd been full-time as well. Um, and, I don't know, I think Tommy Campbell, the way that he, he trained as well, it was just, you know, it was 100 miles an hour. It was, you know, like I said, full tilt. Uh, and you, you trained the way that you played. So, I just I enjoyed that. So after you left and beat the end of that season, what club did you go to? Um, I went to. I think I ended up going to East Fife. So I was travelling down to Methyl three times a week. Uh, so again, they had a a goalkeeping. They only had one goalkeeper. I think the the number two got injured. So I ended up going down there and. Uh, and just so they were what second division at the time. So I was I back up to a guy called uh Willie McCullough. So it was uh again, it was I was what, twenty twenty one. So I was just again mixing up with guys who'd maybe dropped down from Premier League first division. So it was it was a good competitive uh League. I think I only made one start for them. They played in the Scottish Cup against Clyde Bank. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a yeah, they were a good club. It was a it was a good move at the time. So uh, you were kind of just looking to get games, yeah, as best you could. Yeah, to be honest, I was, what I was trying to do, I was just I was trying to stay in the game. Um, I. I had wanted to to try and work my way back into a full time setup, so I think after this fight ended up, Tommy Campbell had uh, he'd ended up at Montrose, so I'd ended up at Montrose with uh, with Tommy Campbell again, um, just to to give him cover, um, but I kind of decided that. The only way that I could really get back full time was to train full time. So from the, the little stint that I'd had at Dundee towards the, the tail end of the, the previous season, I struck up a pretty good friendship with uh, Billy Thompson, who had then moved in to become the goalkeeping coach at Dundee. So he'd squared it with uh, Jockey Scott. Uh, so I was able to go in and, and train with Dundee full time. Um, so I did that the following season, uh, and I was about I don't know 
a few months into the season, I got a chance to go to East Stirlingshire, uh, who were a third division at the time. Um, but I got a chance to, to play. So I was at East Stirlingshire for the best part of six months, seven months. Um, but it was, you know, that was when I got my first real run of games as a, as a number one. So it was, I really enjoyed it. And they were just they were a cracking a cracking club. They were playing down in Falkirk at the time. Had a little stadium called First Park, which was in yeah. Google it, you'll see what I mean. It was just it was mental. It had the big brick wall behind one of the goals. Uh it was just <laughs> it was unique, but they were a cracking club, great people involved behind the scenes, and some good players at the club as well. Who we wanted to have some decent careers. So yeah. That's where I ended up there. So when you did finally get down south to play in England, how did that feel when that move came about? Uh, I only, actually, um, I only played down south. I played in the FA Cup for Carlisle. Um, they had, again, uh, they had a, a goalkeeping crisis. They'd been through like three goalkeepers. They'd all get injured. Uh, it was an FA Cup game. They'd been postponed. They weren't able to sign. They weren't able to get another goalkeeper on loan, so they were looking for a free agent. Uh, at that point in time, I was I was a free agent. Um, so I ended up getting a call. Drove down to Carlisle on a Thursday. Trained with the team the Friday. Played for Carlisle on the Saturday. And... Uh, yeah, I got knocked out of the FA Cup. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was a great weekend. Uh, but that was that was kind of the extent of, of playing down in England. So after Car- uh, after Carlisle, where did you where did you go back to play? Uh I'd actually so when I left East Downshire, I ended up um I ended up going to Iceland. And I played out in Iceland. Uh, for the season so I went and played for a team called um, they're called FC Thor and they're based up in a town called Akaruri. Um so I had a teammate from Dundee called David Winnie and he'd played the season before for a team called uh, called KR who were like Icelandic champions and we just kind of kept in touch and I'd, I'd asked him how he got out to to Iceland, so he'd, he'd put me in touch with an Icelandic guy who was based in Glasgow, uh, and his name was Johannes Edvalsson, and his nickname was his nickname was Shuggy Shuggy Edvalsson, and he played for Celtic in Motherwell. Um, so he's he's a bit of a legend, um, so I'd, I'd phoned him. You know, said you know David Winnie had suggested that I give you a call. Potentially, you know, you might have, you may be able to find me something in Iceland. And he basically went, uh, "What team did you play for?" And I told him was it East Stirlingshire. I said, "Fine, I'll phone you in three months." And just hung up on me. And I was like, "That's right, okay." Cheers. But fair enough. Three months later, he phoned me back and he said, "Right," he says, "I've been following you. You've done all right. I think I've got." A I think I've got a team for you. Uh, he says, but you have to be ready to travel. So, like, right, no problem. So, but 
a month later, he phoned me on a a Sunday night, and he said, "Right, I've got a team." I was like, "Fantastic!" Uh, so when do I leave? He's like, two days time." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, you leave in two days." So that was me. Uh, went down to Glasgow, uh, met my new flatmate, a guy called Alan Kerr, who'd played for uh, Kilmarnock. Uh, and we headed off to to Iceland and spent a season playing out there. What was the quality of football like in Iceland? Was it a lot different to Scotland? Uh, it was... Not really. It, it was pretty physical. Um they were just they were they were just actually at the start of the journey that they've been on, which has kind of gotten to where they are just now, so they had played i can't remember who they played, but so I to go back to like nineteen this is nineteen ninety nine and they got an absolute doing off a i can't remember which team in the national uh it was an international. So they were like, no, we need to, we need to change something. So they basically reorganised the way that they they looked at domestic football, and basically everything that they did from there on in, it, it was geared towards benefiting the national team. So they started in, investing in facilities. Uh, they started investing in coaches. So that's why now. You know, twenty years later, they've got I don't know some like seven or eight like full size indoor facilities. Um, you know, some of the facilities that they've got, they can host like European games. It's up to UEFA standard. The majority of the coaches that coach for clubs out there, they are up to UEFA A standard coaches, and these guys are coaching ten year old kids, eleven year old kids. Um, they've had strong leagues for both the men and and the women. The, the women's game is massive out there as well. So they were kind of, for as much as you know, it, it's a country. To me, it was you know the back of beyond, and you're thinking, you know, what am I going to? But when I got there, there was guys from all over the world. There was there was Brazilians. There was uh, a lot of European players, uh, Russians. Croatians, uh, Danish players, Swedish players. Uh, there was a few Scottish boys there as well, a few English boys, Irish boys. So it was, yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener, but it was, it was a, it was a decent, decent standard. I was playing in the uh, second division, but you know, I used to go and watch the, the Premier League teams playing, and the, the closest team to us uh, was a team called Lifter. And they were playing in the UEFA Cup, so they actually they played Nekelen, uh, Belgian uh, team at the time. They played them at our our stadium, uh, and it was no, it was it was just it, it, it was really it was pretty cool to be involved um, out there at, at at that point in time. Um, and just to, you know, to be in and amongst, you know, some of the, the Icelandic players you know, who were playing for the national team. There was, uh, there was a pharaoh, 
a Federalese goalkeeper. His name was Jens Martin Knudsen. And his thing was, he used to wear this white bobble hat. Uh, they had, the Federalese had pulled off some shock result against, I'm sure it was against West Germany back in the 90s. And Jens Martin had played. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself uh, in these guys' company. It was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Was it quite, um, like, obviously the whole lifestyle out there, outside of the football, how did you adapt to that? I was kind of lucky, because of where I grew up, um, Akaruri is kind of the the second most populated town in Iceland, but there's only about 8,000 people in it. Um, It's surrounded by mountains, there's a, a massive fjord, there's sort of downtown, there's a few cafes, there's a cinema, a swimming pool. Um, the club, you know, floor, they actually had their own training facility. So we had a clubhouse, we had the first team pitch, we had training pitches. Um, and our apartment was actually at the top of the, the clubhouse. So we lived on site. So the boys there, they all had jobs. So we trained at night. So you're thinking part-time, you know, as in part-time over here is you train like twice a week, get your game on a Saturday. Part-time over there means you've got a job, you know, they, they pay your, your bills, but you train like six nights a week. Um, their training was... Uh, it wasn't light year, light years ahead of ours, but they were definitely they were slightly ahead of the the curve in terms of the the type of training that that we were doing. We, we were using heart monitors when we were running. You know, when I was at Dundee, we had a, a little fitness coach, and he used to take us running. You know, Camperdown Park, Sidlaws, Law Hill, and anywhere where there was hills, and you get beasted. And the theory was you basically they ran you until you couldn't run anymore. But when I was out there, you know, we went for a run. You had the heart monitor on. You were given a target zone, you know, for your your heart rate. So everybody was, you know, it was bizarre because everybody was running at a different pace. But everybody was running to their optimum uh, heart rate. So everybody was putting it in, even though everybody's running at a different pace. It was just, it was bizarre. But that's when you start going, all right, so these guys, they know what they're doing. Um, they're also, they were using a, a software uh, where they could basically, you know, you watch your games, uh, they would record them, and then they would, uh, they could download the, the information uh, and use the software to work out how many passes you know a player had uh, had completed or incomplete how many incomplete passes they had how much ground they covered I'd never seen anything like it before so yeah they were they were as I say they were pretty switched on and now everything that they were doing 20 years ago was just it's like sick. It, it's just a, it's just 
taking for granted that every club does that now. Yeah. You know, if the information that's out there, obviously, you know, especially within the the pro clubs, you know, before they're before they play anybody, you know, they've already watched a, uh, you know, they've already watched videos on uh, on their opponents, whether it's individuals or collectively, on you know how teams perform, how they set up shape wise. And what they do set pieces, it's all broken down. You know, when you're sitting in a team meeting, you know, that's just matter of matter of course now. That's that's part of a team talk. Whereas back then, you know, team talks never used to go into that much detail. So after Iceland, obviously, you said you came back, played in England. After England, did you go back up and start playing in Scotland again? Yeah, I came back up. Uh, and I had a, a spell at, at Ross County, and Neil Cooper was a manager. So I was up there, Nicky Walker had got injured. Um, so it was kind of a chance to play for a, a Highland team, which was, you know, a dream come through. A chance to go back, back home and, and go up and knew a few of the boys up there. So, so it, was, it was a great opportunity. So I went up and played a handful of games before Nicky was fit and then Nicky was back in. Um, but again, couldn't really complain. I was getting a chance to to train with uh, you know, with Nicky on a full time basis. Uh, he'd had a cracking career himself, you know, with uh, Motherwell. I think he started off at Leicester, then he was Motherwell, uh, Rangers, Hearts, Aberdeen, Patrick Thistle. You know, played for Scotland, been down at the Euros, I think. Should have been down at Euro '96. He was uh, second choice goalkeeper. He's, you know, so it was, yeah, good opportunity to go back up and and do that. And and then after Ross County, I ended up spent a season down at Montrose, um, and then ended up had to get a proper job, and ended up playing Highland League. So I moved. What was it? What was it like in the Highland League compared to like what you were used to with the professional game? Um, when I come back up the road, and I ended up going to a team called Devonville, the best up in Banff, and they had a, a cracking setup. Um, it was a lot like. It was a lot like what I had been used to. It teams like. Um, at Forfar, just really good people involved at the club. Um, we'd assembled a cracking team, um, and the club were—I think they've been chapping on the door. They've been getting sort of progressively um, more consistent. So I had a few players that pre-season, and that season we ended up. Um, we won the qualifying cup. So qualifying cup, um, it was basically you had to get to the semi-finals of the qualifying cup to qualify for the Scottish Cup. So it was a fairly sort of prestigious tournament um, up in sort of north of Scotland. Um, we were fortunate enough 
that we won it that year. Won the qualifying cup for the first time in the, the club's history. And we finished second in the league. And then the following season, so we, we won the league. Uh, so it was it was a good club. Again, you know, kind of what I was talking about when there was at Dundee training was it was really competitive, uh, and it was the same at, at, at Devonville. All the training sessions were you know five sides. Nobody wanted to lose. Tackles were flying in. Um, you know, there was no no sort of uh, shrinking violence in that dressing room. If somebody wasn't pulling their weight, they were you know, they were pretty much told to pull their, their finger out and uh yeah. If uh if you weren't if you weren't doing the business one, you were told and two there was somebody, you know, more than capable of taking their place. So there was a lot of competition for places. So it was yeah, it was a it was a really it's a good club. Um, and yeah, fortunately, we were pretty successful in the two years that it was there. So after Devonville, where did you go? After Devonville, I went to Huntley and I played the season at Huntley um, before I uh, before uh, Mel Stark was born. And when she was born, I had a, a slightly different uh, sort of outlook and things. Uh, and found myself just thinking that I had to, I'd spent so long focusing on, on football and you know, trying to stay within the uh, sort of the, the professional game that um, I realised that I had to actually look at what I was going to do off the field. Um, so I was. I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to get involved in the, the oil industry uh, at, at that time. So, um, basically, the the company I worked for, they had a, a three month apprenticeship uh, program. So I'd taken, I took the chance, and uh, I joined them. But whilst I was doing that, uh, Paul Mathers, he was actually at. Pure head at the time, he was the assistant manager, and they were going for uh, they were challenging Gretna in the third division. So, their number two goalkeeper had had get uh, had get injured. Um, so Mathers had, had asked if I'd go up and just make up the numbers for, for training. So, I was happy enough to do that, but after a few weeks, um. Yeah, I got asked if I'd sign a, a short-term deal just to give him cover, so I ended up doing that. So I ended up playing just played a few games for Peter Head, um, and we ended up getting promoted to the the second from the third division to the the second division. Granted, they won the league and, and we were up as runners up. So that was that was uh, it was something that. You know, I'd, I'd never expected, so it was it was good, and also it was the first sort of that was the first sort of steps towards coaching because I ended up, you know, Mathers were kind of set the drills, and you know, I would 
uh, help him take the drill so he could, he could concentrate on just uh, training himself. I had somebody else there just to do the, the, the legwork for him. And that gave me a wee tester for it. Um, but after that season, uh, I ended up going offshore and that pretty much killed sort of playing. Am I right in saying you, uh, you won the Highland League with Cove as a player? No. No? no I didn't, was, I that didn't just as a, was that just as a coach? Uh, yeah. So I had been at the game for a wee while. Um, I helped out I talked to a few Highland League teams uh, and a couple of junior teams, and it was only it was guys that you know that I knew or had a bit of time for. If they were stuck, I would I'd step in and I'd, I'd play the odd game here and there. But you know, you know what? Like even even at your age, uh, the one position you can't really jump and change is as a goalkeeper. Um, you know, there are guys that work offshore and they're able to, to you know to play for amateur teams, junior teams, even some Highland League teams. But most of those guys play at field. So they can keep themselves ticking over offshore uh, when they get back onshore for the, you know, the two weeks on, three weeks on, whatever. They can go along to training, they can pick up where they left off. You know, they can maybe sit on the bench, get 20 minutes, 30 minutes of a game and then, you know, easily back in the team. But as a goalkeeper, the, the one thing you need is you need consistency. You need to play week in, week out. So... It just wasn't really an option. Um, so I'd, I'd done a little bit of coaching when I'd been at, you know, a few of the teams that had been out. We, we didn't have goalkeeping coaches. You know, it, it wasn't really a thing back then when I, was, when I was younger. Clubs didn't really see the value of it. You had an experienced goalkeeper and then he would take the, you know, the youth goalkeepers if if you're lucky enough to have them training with Um so I got a shout from uh, an old teammate, Jerry O'Driscoll, who had taken the the manager's job or co-manager's job at Cove Rangers by a guy called uh, Kevin Tindall, <laughs> who, who had uh, crossed paths with it at Head and who I'd had the pleasure of, uh, you know, a few 50-50s with when I was playing with East Islandshire. Um, so they'd asked me if I could come in. It was just for pre-season, just to put the keepers through their paces. So I ended up going in to take the, the keepers. Uh, and at the end of the first week, the keeper they had at the time, he was asking uh, Tins and, and Jerry, where'd you get this fucking bump up from? And they were saying, what do you mean? Like, well, you know, we've not been worked like that before. Uh, so you know, I'm not sure. You know, what you try to do, and they were like, "That's exactly why it's here because you two, you know, you need to be working a little bit harder." So because I was still, you know, I would do the drills with the guys. So we kind of we built a a good uh, a good rapport. Um, and at the end of the sort of preseason, Jerry and and, and Tim's had asked if I would, you know, if I just went and do the keepers there. So ended up doing that. Um, so the first season we did we did fairly well I'm sure the uh, boys won it I'm sure we won the cup uh, league cup did okay in the league um, 
Jerry kind of Jerry moved on and Tins took the, the role you know as manager uh, took it on and then the following season he added uh, Graham Matheson to the back room um, so it was myself and Graham uh, that were there with with Tins uh, and then fortunately we managed to managed to uh, pip for Martin United uh, to the title in the, the last game of the season so it was uh, yeah that was a it was a, a a great a great team to be involved with um, good bunch of boys as well so so are you still doing coaching like bits and bobs now bits and bobs so the job that I've got now I uh, I spend um, spend a few months away uh, so it's it's been I can't really commit to um, I can't commit to a higher level so over the past sort of four years I've uh, I've been uh, I played I ended up again helping my palate ended up playing for a junior team uh, in Aberdeen called Kuta uh, I was there for a couple of years and played when I could um, and so I did a bit of coaching but for the last two years I've been coaching a junior team called Banks of D in Aberdeen um, so yeah just purely just coaching at the moment which is it's, it's good I'm lucky that the goalkeepers that we have at the club are uh, the kind of goalies goalies they love training it's competitive it's you know they they train the way that, that I like to train uh, so it's been good I've enjoyed it good 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 well thank you very much for coming on I don't want to take it any more of your time that's not a problem